Hi, my name is Nina, and my son's an addict. I wanted to share my story and hopefully help others. Um, many times people have called and said, oh, you know, I know someone that is having problems with their kid and they don't know what to do. Can you help them or talk to them? And um, I find it's, it's a very personal thing. Um, we all know if you're going through this and if you're listening to this podcast, you realize, as I do, that um, there's a lot of pain, uh, denial, uh, sadness, loss, all mixed in one, regrets. But um, this first podcast, uh, my intro, is um, my story. Uh, we all have our own stories, but in fact, what I learned is our stories are really not that different after all said and done. Uh, they sway in your, you know, who your friends are, who you hang out with, where you send your kids to school. But at the end of the day, you take that all out and they start sounding very familiar. Um, I felt that, um, I remember when I went through this, I was so alone. Uh, the things that I saw, I never even knew of in my life. I, I'm not, I don't have an addictive personality at all. Um, I was divorced. This is not because of divorce. This happened because he made his own choices. He chooses to be this way. And no one has done this to him. Um, addicts do it to themselves. It is an illness. Um, and if you're not willing to get help or recognize uh, that you have a problem, then uh, no one can do that for you. Um, I learned that. I will share those things with you. I hope this helps, but this particular podcast is going to be about my story. So my son, I started noticing some things in eighth grade. Um, very weird. Things, things, his personality, he seemed very um, emotional, much more emotional, uh, self-aware, um, didn't feel as comfortable, felt like he wasn't as popular. Uh, mind you, he was amazing at sports, really, really bright. But something snapped, and I don't know what. I tried to get him to therapy. Um, fast forward, now he's in ninth grade. And um, always had um, gravitated to the wrong kids. Um, anyone that was mischievous, not blaming anybody else. My son made those choices. Um, start out strong. Wow. He would start out strong in school, do everything he was supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, boom, everything went to, you know, like sabotaged everything he started, um, by his own doing. Um, I tried, oh, through high school, I got him out of being suspended. Uh, he went away on a trip to, uh, he was chosen to go to California for something. And um, he ended up getting caught with drugs in the bathroom in the hotel room. And the fire alarm went off. And, um, you know, he knew better. It was kind of like an impulsive thing. But it's as if, like, I didn't really, he didn't really care. I cried to the principal to get him to, you know, them to not 
um, expel him because then he wouldn't be able to go to college. He'd have to start off at, um, you know, a different type of school, community college. So I did everything in my power to keep him out of trouble. Um, I had a lot of um, uh, bad uh, um, relation with my ex. He would listen to my son. My son would say that I was crazy. Um, you know, he can't live with me anymore. Um, really irate. I tried to get him to therapy. Forget it. I couldn't. Um, after a couple of times, it just wouldn't work. Um, the therapist had mentioned something to me at one time and so did the school, but in all fairness, I, I wasn't ready to listen. I mean, not my kid. What are you talking about? Maybe he has bipolar. Oh no. Maybe, maybe he has some psychosis. What? What are you talking about? All these things that were coming at me, I was like, oh, maybe he has a drug problem. What are you talking about? Yeah, he has a little pot. He has a little bit of this. I don't see him as being a drug problem. He definitely had depression. Um, there was time when I couldn't get him out of bed to go to school. Um, I tried everything I could. I tried to get him to take something, uh, you know, that he was not seeing it. He just was tired. He wasn't feeling well. No, he was not depressed. Okay, so fast forward to his senior year in high school, um, I got to the point where um, I could not feel safe in my own house anymore. I started noticing I was locking my door at night with my purse. Um, he was very sneaky. Um, he would try to boss me around. Uh, my other son was already at college. It was just the two of us living in the house, and he always made everything miserable. He always knew how to bring it, bring something, an event or something back to make it to be about him, and he just would ruin it for everyone. Um, he really, I started noticing um, this beginning of his senior year in high school. It got that bad that I finally went to see someone when he went into in front of my face and um, said the most horrible things, and I thought he was going to hit me. Um, I had friends coming over, and he decides to take out joints and sit on the terrace where my friends could see him smoking pot, um, knowing that my friends were just about to walk in the door. Very disrespectful in many ways when I look back. But again, um, lashing out in many, many ways. Um, so when I went to this therapist, I chose whoever I could get. And I remember speaking to this gentleman and him saying, I said, okay, so how do I take back control of my home? I feel like I'm a prisoner. I, I, I feel like I've lost complete control of my household. And they said, you need to go home and give him an ultimatum. Either he goes for therapy, um, otherwise he is going to have to um, leave your home. Okay, well, that didn't seem like something I was going to say. What, me kick my son out of the house? No way. Not happening. Prior to that, actually, um, 
that summer before, even though I told him not to ride his bicycle when it was raining, he insisted on it. We got in an argument. And next thing you know, he's on the ground and his shoulder got dislocated. Fast forward about a year and a half later, it got so bad that he needed to have his um, his arm stapled together, his shoulder. So I took him to the hospital. Most of it I had to pay out of pocket. I can't remember why at that time. And um, I remember him saying to me, as paying with my own money, working like a dog to put him through private schools, sleepaway camps, cars, anything anything so they could have a good life, uh, be happy, have, you know, be successful, any, give, gave him every tool I could. And I remember him looking at me and saying, you're the last person I want to see when I go under, and you're the last person I want to see when I come out. I remember crying in the waiting room, and the doctor, and he refused to let the doctor give him uh, pain meds which is so funny now when you look back. But um, he didn't want to have this uh, pain patch. He refused, even though the doctor said it's going to be very painful. And he said to the doctor, he, he was like very adamant. And the doctor came in to see me afterwards and he saw me crying. He said, listen, honey, when you have something like this in front of you, you need to step aside. This is, this is a dangerous situation. I see it. He's belligerent. Um... And he's definitely on drugs or doing something. I said, okay, thank you. I took him home. I went to the therapist. They told me, give him this ultimatum. I spoke to my ex and said, who was living in the city at the time. And I said, listen, this is what's happening. He was, my ex would have um, done anything to feel like he was a better parent that I, he would have loved that because, you know, I look like the hero to my kids. So to him, he wanted my kids to love him unconditionally, you know, um, think that he was a better parent. Um, so basically I said, listen, if he doesn't want to go to therapy and live with my rules, he's going to have to leave. He's on drugs. He's on street drugs. I don't know what's going on. He's got psychosis. He's think he's going to the grocery store and saying that um, I thought he just didn't want to buy groceries and you know deal with it. Instead, he's like, "Oh my God, I went to the grocery store. I'm not going back there." There are like things popping out at me, and I felt like people were following me. Uh, a lot of paranoia. A lot of paranoia. Um, so I drove him to the airport and I said to him the night before, you don't need to go. You don't need to go. But no, he was going, he was going. And I also called 411 and I called an interventionist that night at midnight because I went on his computer when he went to say goodbye to his friends. And back then, you know, what, 13, 14 years ago, no one really, they didn't lock their computers like you do today. I was able to see horrible things that were going on behind my back, horrible. Things he would do for drugs, uh, you know, lying to me. I realized that people were coming to my neighborhood, into my house at all hours of the night without me even knowing when I was asleep because I was able to get the printout from the guardhouse and I saw all these strange cars. Um, it was horrible. 
Um, I, he did end up going to my exes and he stayed there for about four months. They, they, uh, his, my ex's wife was completely, uh, knowledgeable about this. Uh, but my ex was still in complete denial. Um, I found out after the fact, he never left the couch. He barely left the apartment. It was miserable. Uh, my ex refused to get help for him or kick him out as well. Um, we tried to get him jobs. Thank God he finished um, online his college, his high school. Uh, so he did get his um, high school degree. Um, he didn't walk for graduation. All the things that parents strive for to at least see or acknowledge, all those milestones, you know. I don't remember the last time I really had a, um, a enlightening, loving, fun moment with my real son. Um, I don't know who this person is, but I obviously have been with someone throughout the years uh, being very manipulated. Um, so fast forward, um, he came back from my exes uh, just before he'd be starting college, which he already got into. Um, and he, I actually, yes, I set him up knowing that he was not well yet, that he was still sick. He was hallucinating. He was going to save the world. There was no talking to him. And I'm, I'm, I blame myself for the, all the money I spent on setting him up every time in a living situation, um, as if I felt college was the most important thing. Um, and after all, he was so smart. Um, so he started, uh, you know, most like halfway through the first semester, um, I already saw, I went on his emails that, um, what was going on, the, the, uh, the teachers were contacting him. Jake, is everything okay? You have, we haven't seen you in class. Um, you know, he was an A student and nothing, nothing. Uh, sorry, I've been depressed. Um, it was disaster. My other son was there at the time. I found out um, where he was uh, staying on a couch uh, at that time. Um, and so I ended up uh, hiring an interventionist. I went up there at like five in the morning Um and I stormed in. He was living with a drug dealer. Um, we, I did bring the interventionist there. They helped me get him out. He, he agreed to go. Um, and he went for his first rehab then. I finally, at that point, when I got home, um, I went to see a therapist. Uh, I found a woman who, um, when I went to see her, the first time I said, okay, so I got my son into uh, rehab. So is this going to be okay now? Like, is everything going to be okay? Like, is this solving it? And then she said, looked me straight in the eye and said, I wish I could tell you differently, but 98% of the time, uh, most it does not work for, and it could be five, six, seven times that uh, rehabs before uh, they hit their rock bottom. I never knew what rock bottom meant, but I knew I was never going to let my son go to jail or die to be rock bottom. At least I wasn't prepared then for that. And um, so three rehabs later, 
um, that last time I had said to him, um, this is it. This is it. It's the third time. Um, he was better. Um, I, I definitely had some glimpses of him. And then he um, went to back to school. He wanted to get back to school. Um, his father uh, backed him on a loan. Um, and we definitely helped him get back on his feet. And sure enough, he started gambling, he started doing drugs, he started um, selling his things, um, he started uh, drinking, and um, there went that. So next thing you know, um, ta- um, I got a call that uh, he's on his way, he's going to Israel. He's going to Israel, and he's going to go into a program, and um, he's going to learn and become a rabbi, and this is what he wants, and he doesn't want to stay in school. Okay, so fast forward, he does that, even though I know that he still has a lot of problems. I couldn't stop him, but I also enabled him. I bought him things for the trip, I did more that I should have done. I went to visit him when he was there. I bought him things when I was there. He was there. I, you know, I, I did, I did things because yes, I wanted to, but that was not in his best interest. Um, COVID was very sad for him. He had a lot of depression. He was alone. He didn't live. He never took care of himself. I don't know when the last time he's brushed his teeth or really taken care of himself or cared about doing that. Um, And then fast forward to um, about he he finally finished in Israel. He was coming back to the States. He wants to work. He's ready. And uh, next thing you know... Um, I said, okay, well, Jake, um, you have two weeks, two weeks to take care of yourself. And um, I'm setting you up. You know, he couldn't go into a a regular hotel because he refused to get a COVID shot. So um, I had to, I got him into some place. I paid for two weeks. I call him up. He's busy trying to find jobs. And he says to me, oh, I've been so busy. I have so many people coming to see me. I go, "Uh, you know, this isn't camp. Uh, This is to help you get on your way. Well, after that, it was over. I haven't had a conversation with him since then. It's been uh, almost a year and a half now. Um, I had gotten some... uh, a very nice uh, uh, video, not one video, but um, a recording from him saying how much he missed me and that he had such a nice holiday somewhere and his families are so nice to him and everyone's so great. And um, so that's basically uh, where we had been. A year ago today... A year ago in December, so we're coming about middle of December, um, I had, hadn't spoke to my son. I got a text. I got a call about 3.30 at night from him, and nothing ever good comes at 3.30 at night. So there was no way I was even thinking about answering the phone. 
And so he called twice and then he got really angry and started saying horrific things, horrific things. And then he started texting his father and he started texting his brother. And then at the end of that, um, we all woke up baffled by this. I called him that morning and said, listen, after speaking to a therapist, I I said, listen, it looks like you might be reaching out for help. How can I help you? He said, I'm not reaching out for help because I thought by then he'd forget, you know. I'm not reaching out for help. I'm never fucking talking to any of you again. I hate your guts. You're a fucking loser. Horrible, horrible things. I don't even know who that was. And, um, but, and I know I shouldn't have probably called him, but I kind of wanted to clarify that. I immediately had been seeing someone since that call on a weekly basis that has worked with um, people that, um, recovering addicts, addicts, um, so she can give me a better insight as to what's going on, um, make me feel better. Um, and what I realized is, is that, uh, since that time, it's been about a year, um, I'm grieving the loss of my son. Um, I finally realized after, I don't know, 14 years now that, um, This is, I've been dealing with this a very long time. He has manipulated me. He has abused me. He has treated me horribly. He has spoken horribly about me. And you know, what hurts the most is, is that I tried so hard to do everything, to give everything. But I know that's not what he, it was, and it's not me, um, And I feel bad. I feel sorry because I know he has mental issues, maybe caused by the drugs, Um, you know, the psychosis that comes on. He doesn't think smoking pot's so bad. Um, And I'm not a goody two-shoe in saying, oh, don't smoke pot. But you know what? If it's going to set things off in your brain, I say it's probably not a good item for you to look, to use. Um, That and alcohol... Uh, By the time he was leaving Israel, he calls my cousin in the middle of the night and says, oh my God, my roommates are going to kill me. I have to get out of here. I can't live here anymore. Um, Yeah. Is that a sane person? No. Hallucinating again. And she said that um, he was uh, leaving bottles behind, drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning on. Uh, just like his father had said when he did come back to the States and I felt horrible that he hadn't called me and didn't want to be in touch with me. And then I found out why, because uh, basically, you know, he'd have to look at himself and um, he didn't want to be judged. He didn't want me to look and and he knew exactly that I would know where he was at. Um, and his father said he woke up drinking and went to bed drinking. And when the minute they said something to him, he was out the door, never seen again. So, um, my story is, uh, along the way I went to, um, 
National Association of um, Mental Illness, NAMI. I took a class, an eight-week class. I sat in that class, um, and I realized that so many things that were mentioned in that class I had experienced or gone through with my son. Um, still can't pinpoint what his diagnosis would be, but I definitely have been through many of the same stories um, and felt like I was uh, going through it with these same people that were in this group. I've been to Al-Anon meetings. I've sat there like many other people. Oh, not my kid. Oh, this is really bad. I don't think I'm ever, oh, I don't think I'm going to get to that. No, mine's not. Yeah, mine's just as bad. I will never forget the tears rolling down this couple's face at a meeting. Um, they had to call the police on their son. You know, you look at these people and you just, it's so sad what they've been put through. No different than any of us. No different. Just all of us handled it differently. And they handled it the right way because they can't help their son. They can't help their daughter. You can't help your mother or father or sister or brother. It's aunt, uncle. When they say hit rock bottom, I never understood what that meant until now. And it kind of is silly, like all these years, and I can't even understand what that meant. I couldn't allow him to get that low. Um, I've seen him sell all his items and live out of a garbage bag. Him living on the street, he acted like it would be no big deal. Um, I don't, I don't think that, um, we're ever ready for rock bottom. I live my life. I don't know when a phone call is going to come. I don't know if it's going to be a phone call. I don't know if it's going to be, he shows up at the house. Um, I don't know what kind kind of situation it's going to be, but one day it will happen. So I had gone to therapy for many years with that same woman uh, that had helped me from the beginning until she ended up going to work for a rehab center full time. So I did find some other people along the way, um, but I did come back to this, having private therapy about a year ago, knowing that it's that bad, um, and that um, this might be a time when I need to prepare myself. I don't know how people do prepare yourself, but um, I think that there's a grieving process, and I'm grieving the loss of my son uh, because this is not my son anymore, and I haven't had him for a long, long time. So, that's my story. Um, I share this with you to make you feel better that you're not alone. Um, I've been lucky to have incredible friends, incredible family. No one has judged me. No one has made me feel like I've done something wrong. They love him. Everyone would embrace him and only want to help him. But Everybody knows that he has to help himself first and that we can't do it for him. So we go on with our lives and our happy times and our celebrations without him. 
feeling that loss, um, maybe even preparing ourselves for that loss. Uh, but I'd rather be like this than be in denial and keep doing the same things over and over and over again because you don't want to lose them. Because no matter what, you already really lost them if you think about it. Um, they're, they're very good at manipulating and using you. And uh, the second you disagree, it, there's nothing left. Um, I can't say that, you know, listen, I haven't heard so many great stories of happy endings, so to speak, in these scenarios. Um, I only wish my son to wake up every day and be happy with what he's doing and be productive. Um, and it's hard to not be in his life. Um, but I can say that I don't want him back in my life the way he was before, because that's not healthy for me, and um, it's not healthy for him. I also learned recently about co-dependency, um, and I kind of understand now what that means. When your child is dependent on how you feel, how your reaction is, to the point where it affects them so deeply. That is not healthy. Um, approvals, needing approval, uh, not being independently, emotionally independent. That is not good. That is a clear sign of an issue. Now, I didn't understand that. Um, I think my son definitely had realized that somewhere along the line that he was codependent on my emotions about him if he did something wrong and he couldn't handle any of that. Um, and so that was definitely something that has come up that I've thought about. Um, can't change anything. Um, and basically he's had like I've said, I've given him plenty of tools. Um, I hope this helps. It's um, it's just a, a stepping. It's a step. It's a step on a set of staircase steps. And this is just one level of telling your story and then um, kind of figuring out how to change that story because if you don't it's going to keep going and going and going and um, it's like Groundhog's Day every day so um, I hope this helps I hope you realize you're not alone that if you're locking your door and hiding your purse there is something wrong with that scenario and that picture and if you have to do that and don't feel safe in your home, then you need to take that step and figure out how to get control back in your life, in your home, no matter who that's with. Um, that is a scary thing to do because you don't want to lose someone. But at the same time, if you're in that situation already, you've lost them. You've already lost them. It just takes a while to admit it 
And who wants to admit that, right? Because then it's our failure. It has to be our failure, right? Which is wrong. But let's face it. We all look back and have regrets and feel a different way and wish things could have gone differently. But it's out of our control. We didn't make those choices. We didn't choose to take that path. And we've, I'm sure, you've given the same tools to help that person in your life get to a better place. But there's only so much you could do unless that person admits and is willing to get help and knows and acknowledges that they have a problem. Until then, that story keeps going. And it's not your story and you shouldn't feel like it's your story. And that's why you need to get out of that story and into your own. Wish you all a great day. And thank you for listening to my podcast.